popping, everyone? Welcome to the Flu Flicker NFL Show, episode 39. Yes, we are 39 episodes in. I'm as shocked as you guys are. I'm Arif Umar, and I'm joined by my co-host, Amal Ronek. What's up, Amal? What's up, Arif? Uh, still, once again, we always say lots to talk about. But the news this week is not as obviously as plentiful. Um, thankfully, not as many injuries this week. Thankfully, uh, now no coach is getting fired. COVID was not a major thing this week either. So uh, we're going to zoom through the news. And then uh, maybe we'll get a little bit into like some trade talks. I guess that's what we'll talk about in the news. Maybe like uh, some trade situations, trade scenarios. We did that a lot last year. Uh, like, for example, I believe I talked about Cam Newton getting traded to the Bears. And now he's in. He's not in Carolina clearly now. Uh, so we'll talk about different trade rumors that could potentially happen, and then uh, we'll go into a recap from what happened last week. Touch on a couple of the key games, and then uh, we'll go into the power rankings, our top ten teams from the each from the week. Uh, cumulative, obviously, but now power rankings, top ten teams, and then uh, we're going to give our game predictions at the end. So. Uh, yeah, let's get right into it. Sounds good. I want to start the show off with some pretty breaking news from the last couple of days. So my, the Miami Dolphins have decided to bench Ryan Fitzpatrick, the longtime veteran, veteran journeyman quarterback, who has actually been playing pretty well for their first-round pick quarterback, Tua Tungle-Vailoa. Tua Tungle-Vailoa. I've never been able to pronounce his name right, out of Alabama. And they do this uh, as their bye week approaches. They are currently in their bye week, actually, I believe. So what are your thoughts on this, the benching of Fitzpatrick and starting um, to a Tiger Valoa? Yeah, I thought this was interesting, right? Um, there, there could have been many different ways you could have looked at it. I looked at it in the aspect of I think Tua must have been playing better than Fitzpatrick was in practice or something. like it has. That's the only logical way because – Fitzpatrick's been balling out. I, I, I mean, I, I felt I would listen to the entire uh, press conference that he had today. Uh, it was, it was very sad, quite depressing for me to listen to a man that truly felt like he, he had his team, he, he had the right place for him, his future, and this is the best he's felt apparently since he was in Buffalo. Buffalo, he had that job too, and uh, a lot of these veterans and former QBs like Kurt Warner are feeling for him. Kurt Warner uh, had the job in, in New York for the New York Giants. And then uh, they were killing it. They were 9-7 and seven into heading into the playoffs. And the Giants pulled the plug on Kurt Warner. And they decided to st- put in Eli Manning. And I think certain sir, – I think the Dolphins have – I think they, they want to start the Tua train. I think they, there's a reason they picked him number five. And they wanted to get right into it. They're seeing Justin Herbert ball out. They're seeing Joe Burrow playing really well, even though the record doesn't say it. It doesn't matter. He's still playing very well. And I, I think it, I truly believe that they just want to see their QB that they drafted so highly, that they valued so highly play now. And I believe they valued him right now from what they, what they see, I guess, uh, to be better than what Fitzpatrick brings to the table. But like I said, I feel, I feel really bad for him. He's thrown, he's thrown, I believe, for over 350 yards the past two games. Three and three record for the Dolphins. Uh, it's still, I mean, we both had them at seven wins, I believe. I mean, he, with the way the Dolphins are playing, they can easily get eight to nine wins because they're exceeding my expectations. They blew, they beat the brakes out of uh, San Francisco. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm very, uh, I don't know how I feel about it. 
I, I think if they were to roll with Tua, I think they should have maybe waited a week or two. I'd say give it to like week nine, halfway through the season, more than halfway. You want to see Tua learn more from the veteran. I don't know if you can get enough in six weeks. So uh, it's definitely going to be an interesting one to see. The Dolphins do have a bye week this week, so uh, we'll see week eight how uh, Tua Tungavailoa's uh, starting rookie debut goes. Yeah, so hitting on that, he starts against the Rams in week, I guess week eight it is. So I remember when I first talked about Tua with you, I I was kind of surprised that they started him this week because I didn't realize that their bye week actually got moved back. So this entire time, I thought even going back earlier into the offseason, I thought Tua was going to start sometime this season. And what like what's a better time than starting him after the bye week? You know, doing a quick QB change right there in that bye week where you have time to acclimate him into the system. And I think I didn't when I first like heard he got benched, I was kind of in shock because I was like, why? Like, don't they have a game this week? It's sort of sudden. But then I realized their bye week got pushed back because of COVID. So Honestly, now that I think about it, I feel I feel bad for Brian Fitzpatrick, obviously. But you hit on some things. Obviously, Tua has been playing well in practice. If you think you have the confidence to put him out there, especially when Ryan Fitzpatrick clearly has the heart of the team. And if like the coach is Brian Flores, I'm going to put my faith in him that he saw enough from Tua to pull out a guy in Ryan Fitzpatrick who's been playing extremely good football. Like you said, he played extremely well against the 49ers last week this week he played another pretty good game um and also the week before i think they played against seattle and they had another tough game as well and fitzpatrick played pretty decent in that game as well ryan fitzpatrick has the heart of that team and for brian flores to decide to essentially pull the plug on him and start to attack Valoa, that obviously means he has a ton of faith in tua it means that tua is probably master of the offense it's taken him a few weeks He's obviously 100% healthy, which is something I was hitting on earlier in our text earlier, last uh, like a couple of days ago. Tua is 100% healthy. He knows the system, and he's probably like lighting it up in practice for people to for the coaches to think, yeah, you know what? Now is a good a time as any to bench our veteran who's been playing good football. He has the heart of the team, and the team is really like rallying around him. He's the leader of that team, and they think that now is a good time to bench Ryan Fitzpatrick and start Tua. I mean, I'm all on, I'm all in on this decision now that I think about it, and I'm just excited to watch him play. I know it's going to be a long wait, like ten days from when we record this podcast to when Tua is going to actually play. But right now, I'm hyped because Justin Herbert he's lived past my expectations. Joe Burrow he's played really good football, and he's probably superseded my expectations as well behind what I think is a pretty crappy Bengals team as a whole. So now the third rookie quarterback, um, three out of the four first round picks, I believe fourth being Jordan Love for the Packers, who will almost 100% not play a single game this season. He's more of a Patrick Mahomes type guy you want to develop. But Tua, Tua isn't. Tua is that almost finished product. And I think him being 100% healthy and him having the confidence of the coaching staff is pretty big news for Miami fans. And also, one thing that people need to keep into consideration, the Texans right now, the Houston Texans, they don't have a first-round pick. And if you think about who does have their first-round pick, it's actually the Miami Dolphins. Uh, yeah, the Miami Dolphins. Right now, the Houston Texans have the seventh overall pick. And I think that could 
probably it'll probably go down lower. Like it'll probably be like around the tenth pick. I think like the Texans roster has massive flaws, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But like you want to see what you have because this first round picks from the Texans could potentially be a top ten pick, maybe even a top five pick, depending depending on how bi- bad things get in Houston. So who knows? You want to see what you have in the first round pick. Uh, your previous first round pick, so you know where you want to prioritize your next first round pick in 2021. Overall, I really like this move by the Dolphins. Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely a bold move. I think their team right now, three and three, they're not they're definitely playoff contenders. They're team they're a team that could definitely like be on the bubble and or on the brink, I should say, of making the playoffs, like the Browns were a couple of years back. They're definitely very close to that, and Tua could potentially either bring it over or keep it on the same level as the Dolphins or it could go worse. You need, you need to see him play. And uh, I think I'm perfectly okay with this move. Um, to go on to more news, uh, I mean, there's not, like I said, too much, really a lot of trade talks. Uh, OBJ, um, just a bunch of stuff from him. Uh, there's a lot of His stuff COVID comments are pretty funny. His COVID comments. I mean, I, I like uh, – I like the attitude. I'll put it that way. Um, yeah, I think that's the only way. I, I, that's the thing I'll say. I like the attitude. The no nonsense <laughs> move yeah. right to the past COVID. Uh, he's a guy that would easily like destroy COVID. Then, uh, if he ever happened to get it. Um, and then he also got into some like more serious news as LSU pen OBJ for what happened in the championship game last year. Him handing out money. Uh, and then, yeah, it's, he was just being stupid. I think he, I think that I think OBJ was honestly on drugs after that. What on that game? I, I swear oh, he, he was, was definitely drunk, like guaranteed. <laughs> okay, if okay, he was definitely drunk. Okay, I'm taking it to the extra step and saying he was on drugs. I mean, he was not normal whatsoever. I mean, two years I think is the right fine. Actually, you can. Uh, you can't be doing that. And see, no, I think the rule is stupid. The rule, the is, rule stupid. is stupid. Yeah, but he should know that. He should know that. Yeah. Uh, um, the the cash he was handing out. Are you saying, bro? It's like it's like hundred dollar bills, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, had Justin Jefferson dancing for him, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then we'll go. I guess really that's all the news honestly uh do you have anything else you want to talk about in news i mean mean, i think this got hurt yeah taylor lewan got hurt we can hit on that when we talk about the titans texans like absolute thriller of a game later on really there are a few trade talks that like maybe are worth mentioning will fuller is potentially on the trade block john ross has requested a trade but really those things aren't worth talking about and we're two weeks away from the deadline so I think next week we're going to talk more about trades. We'll probably actually have trades happen by then, and then we can dive in. But right now I want to segue. So some news came out yesterday, I believe. Yeah, it's yesterday. So according to Jane Slater, there's a, there's a pretty uh, damning Cowboys quote, man. Cowboys players initially bought into keeping things internal. Now, as they sit two and four, the discontent is leaking out. So, quote-unquote, on the coaching staff, they are totally unprepared. They don't teach. They don't have any sense of adjusting on the fly. And another player, anonymous player, said they just aren't good at their jobs. They just aren't good at their jobs. Um, yeah, six to, weeks to, in. To, 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, to go along, we'll immediately just get into the game recap for this game. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. This was just stupid. Uh, Cardinals blew out the Cowboys 38-10. to 10. I, I, I was uh, actually, fun fact, I mean, I don't know if the audience would necessarily care. I was against Arib in uh, fantasy football this past week. Um, and I, I needed a big game out of my guy, Ezekiel Elliott, probably one of my favorite Cowboys players because he, he's very dominant. Uh, he had two fumbles, did not look impressive, did not have the great ball. He, his ball security has been a problem this entire season. Uh, Andy Dalton did not look uh, like the men that played with the Bengals for – that led the Bengals to the playoffs, I believe, for six consecutive seasons. It didn't look like that today. Um, I mean, that day. Kenyon Drake, Kenyon Drake just ran all over the Cowboys, just like every other running back against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Kyler Murray ran all over the Dallas Cowboys. Kyler Murray only had to throw the ball, I believe, 15 times in order for them to – and and 15 times. If a quarterback throws the ball 15 times, Arib, wouldn't you imagine that the team lost the game? Yeah, so quick fact-checking. He threw it 24 times. He completed nine passes. Yeah, that's even, yeah, yeah, that's even worse. My bad, my bad, my bad. Yeah, that, that's even worse. God damn. Oh my God! Nine passes, Arif. Nine passes. Can you tell me if that if you can? Uh, there's no way, zero chance that you can win the game with nine completed passes. I mean, you could complete more passes. Here's another fun <laughs> fact, passes. actually. Here's a fun fact. Apparently, the Cardinals only had one completed ball in the second half, and That's they still won worse. by 28 points. Dude, they they outscored them in the fourth, the the second half. Went seventeen to seven in the Cardinals' favor. Uh, yeah, this was such a poor, poorly. I think the defense looked. The Cowboys' defense looked like the worst in football. Uh, and their team is talented defensively, but the depth. We Arib and I said this since since a free agency opened up. The Cowboys' problem right now is their defensive depth. That's why even picking C.D. Lamb. I don't know if that we said. Uh, it was uh it was a it was a good pick, right? And he was the best player on that offense uh that we, uh on the in the game. He was by he was very good. Amari Cooper was also good, but now you're one starting to see like was it worth the pick because their defense struggled big time. I don't even know some of like most of these guys outside of Demarcus Lawrence and Everson Griffin. These dudes are like actually nobody. I'm being dead serious. I, I, Jalen Smith's good, obviously. Uh, Everson Griffin, I said, Demarcus Lawrence, but the rest of them, I, they're not that great. Alden Smith's good too, but you know what I'm trying to say. The, the secondary is like completely gone. Now you're starting to wonder: Should Jerry have paid uh, Byron Jones? Maybe not to that extent, but they should have paid Byron Jones, and and more. Maybe should they have drafted another cornerback in the first round? Certain, there's certain things I, I, I just uh, – I don't know how you can fix the Cowboys right now. I think this is, goes to show that Dak Prescott's value is really that high for this team, and they need to pay him whatever for, to, to keep him because uh, Andy Dalton did not show it. Obviously, it's only one game, so we're not going to like mass- massacre, crucify him for it. But – this is it's a very poor performance. I expect more from Ezekiel Elliott. Considering the Arizona Cardinals run defense isn't like all that. Chandler Jones is out for the season and that's their best player on defense. So I can't I can't possibly see how this how 
the Cowboys shouldn't run all over this team. And the offensive line that was once super highly touted for this Cowboys team is no, it's like non-existent. I've never, I don't know why. I mean, Zach Martin's hurt. Uh, Travis Frederick retired on the Travis offseason Frederick as well. Tyron yeah. Smith is on IR. Joe Looney on IR. Yeah, those guys. Brandon those are, Knight also on IR. Yeah, exactly. You can't. So they're like in a kind of a similar situation as Philly, where they can't stay healthy. And sadly, you don't want you want your O line to stay healthy more than honestly any other part of the football football game, football uh, team. You want your foot your your O line to stay healthy because they're the ones that protect the QB. Even if Dak Prescott was at QB, the Cowboys would still be struggling because that O line is is very very hard to play under. And you're seeing how Joe Burrow, even though it's kind of not comparable but you can still see how bad o-lines lead to it leads to the team not playing successfully on offense and yeah that that's my it's a very scary time to be a cowboys fan but you should still be happy that you're first place that's how i'll end it fair enough um here's my take on this you hit on it earlier even we we talked about it multiple times the defensive depth like the lack of depth there on the Cowboys is pretty big. And over the offseason, they lost Gerald McCoy to, I believe, a chest, like a bicep injury. It was some sort of upper body injury, I believe, or rather an Achilles tear. Gerald McCoy is like a former all-pro defensive tackle. He's gone. Tristan Hill, who I think is a pretty dirty player, but he's hurt, gone. Sean Lee, gone. Chidobio Wuzie, their um, cornerback, also gone. So – like the defensive injuries have built up. And I think frankly, players are under like underperforming Demarcus Lawrence. He hasn't done much. You look at someone like Leighton Vanderesh. He's been hurt recently, but also he's not playing well. Jalen Smith, who I thought was arguably the best linebacker in the division. And who was like a top 10 linebacker back in 2018 when this Cowboys defense was playing really great football. And right now you're not seeing it. They can't stop the run at all. And you can see that just by looking at the box score. I mean, Kenyon Drake had 160 yards. Chase Edmonds had 23 yards. Kyler Murray ran for almost 70 yards in a touchdown. Like, their, their defense is getting completely ran over. And talk, going back to the quote I talked about where some anonymous players called out Mike McCarthy's coaching staff for essentially not doing their jobs. I mean, you got to look at yourself first, dude. I mean, these are probably the same players who – like, you know, they were saying the same things about, well, not even the same things, but there's like, okay, if you look at the previous head coaching administration with Jason Garrett, right? It's probably the same players who are making these comments now. Like, what's the common variable here? The common denominator, you, you like you, you guys are going out here and talking to the media, not media anonymously. And I, if I look at the field, like, I don't see any production. I remember, clearly remember a play against the Browns. It was a trick play, so they had Jarvis Landry throwing the ball, and Baker Mayfield was out here blocking, okay? He was playing offensive line, essentially. And defensive end, Everson Griffin, just straight up put no effort in the play. He was literally jogging at Baker Mayfield, not trying to get around him at all. You can see that even going into this Cardinals game, the lack of effort. Like I see guys on the defense just walking. And I know Mike Nolan, the defensive coordinator for the Cowboys, is mediocre. He's garbage. He shouldn't have a job. But – you can't coach effort into these players. Like you can't coach them to want to play hard. And right now the Cowboys defense isn't playing hard. And even if Dak was playing in this game, I don't think the Cowboys actually end up winning. I think just the lack of defensive effort is hurting them. And right now they're still the worst defense in football by a pretty sizable margin. And 
it's just the lack of defensive depth, the lack, the lack of good play calling by Mike Nolan, good defensive scheme, whatever. And also, the lack of just effort. I don't see effort at all for the Dallas Cowboys. So, yeah, Mike McCarthy, I don't think he's changed much. We can clearly see that on the product of the field. But, like, the, the Cowboys players also are not putting any effort in. So, just overall, if I'm a Cowboys fan, I am worried. And I don't really see many positives. Like, if I had Dak, I could see positives. But Andy Dalton, I don't know what he can do behind a hurt offensive line. He doesn't have the same mobility as a player like Dak Prescott. He was getting sacked more. He was throwing more errant passes, throw a couple picks. And if they go against another pretty good defense, like the Cardinals defense has been playing this year, I don't know how well they're going to play. Agreed. I think, I think you've uh, hit on all my points. Uh, you spoke very well there. Uh, Shout out to Buddha Baker, by the way. Um, he, lots of people were crapping on him for getting like a pretty big deal. Like I think he's the highest paid safety during the off season. And this is probably one of my first, like, like I've seen him play multiple times, but he's never stood out the same way. And really, I think like the keys to beating the Cowboys on offense are to get pressure on Andy Dalton because he's not going to be able to escape it like Andy, uh, like Dak Prescott was, like I said before. And second, you need to be able to tackle these playmakers and stop them from getting yards after catch. And Buda Baker, um, Byron Murphy, all these players on the defense side, Patrick Peterson, they were tackling these wide receivers. CeeDee Lamb, like he got yards, but he didn't get many yards after catch. Same with Amari Cooper. Same with Michael Gallup, who dropped another, who dropped a touchdown. Actually, like talk going back to the effort. But I think if you want to beat the pack, the the Cowboys on offense, get pressure on Andy Dalton, and you're, you're just gonna have to make sure you wrap up on these wide receivers. And yeah. I think you're gonna guarantee a dub on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, good bounce, good win for the Cardinals as now they move on to being four and two. Uh, their two losses are still teams against that they should have won, so they could have been they could have been a six and zero team, and uh, here they are sitting at four and two. Um, the next game though that I think it's definitely in need of attention here is uh, the Ravens versus Eagles game. The Eagles had a spectacular fourth quarter. They they were down uh, they were down big. And uh, they were down 16, I believe, with like almost five minutes left, and they came back. So uh, it, it was very interesting to see uh, Carson Wentz lead this offense with very with pretty much no weapons. And uh, I'll leave the floor. Honestly, the floor is yours. You can take over from here. I want to hear your thoughts on this. Okay, so before I talk about like what's wrong with Philly, I want to talk about what isn't wrong. So first of all. I think the energy of the team, like like you can tell this team wants to win football games. They had that drive to win football games. Like compared to the Dallas Cowboys, these like the Eagles are not quitting. They're trying to play as like tough football. They're trying to win these games. Second, Carson Wentz, he had a really bad like first two weeks. I think I hit on like we talked about it multiple times, even on this podcast, against the Rams, against the Washington football team. Played really poor football, just really bad football. And even Against the Bengals for the first like three quarters, he played poorly. And then ever since that Bengals like fourth quarter overtime, he's only been improving. And if you look at the standings, if you look at the defensive like teams that he's faced, the the Steelers in, in week five, the Steelers were the best defense. And they this week they faced the second best defense in Baltimore. And they dropped 28 points and 30 points, I believe it was. That's extremely impressive. And if you look at the offensive like the, the starters, two out of the 11 
players on the offense started in week one. That being Carson Wentz and Jason Kelsey, who was the center. And you could also maybe add Greg Ward. He wasn't like actually like a starter week one, but he's like the starting slot wide receiver almost. Like he's been playing most of these games. So three things aren't wrong. Carson Wentz, the energy with the team. And Doug Peterson for me. Doug Peterson, I know he had a questionable play call. He's been, he's made, he's been making a couple of mistakes here and there. But overall, I think Doug Peterson is getting this team ready to play on Sundays. And like, when I just look at that team, the, problems, the biggest problems for me, like it's just huge. The fact that it isn't Carson Wentz. It isn't Doug Peterson. It isn't like the effort of the team. The team isn't quitting on their head coach and their quarterback. Now, the biggest problems for me are, first of all, injuries. And, like, the offensive line, people are going to talk about, like, how they don't have enough depth. But this offensive line has been the most decimated offensive line in football. And I'm willing to fight anybody, including Cowboys fans, about that fact. They lost one all-pro in Brandon Brooks, another all-pro in um, Lane Johnson to injury. They lost Isaac Sumala, who's another who's a starting guard, who's really good actually. He's a very underrated guard. They also lost. Um, previously, they lost Jason Peters, who he wasn't playing the best tackle, but he's still playing decent football. He was lost. They lost Andre Dillard, who was originally slated to be the starting tackle. They lost Nate Herbig. They lost Matt Pryor. All, like seven or I think it's seven or eight starters on the offensive line have essentially been you know just lost to injury and some of them are coming back Isaac Samala is planning to come back soon Matt Pryor is coming back from COVID I believe Lane Johnson is slated to play this Thursday actually but when I look at the problems other than injuries I think of Harry Roseman just the team isn't that good there there isn't a lot of good young talent on this team and I blame that on him we talk about how he passed on DK Metcalf for JJ Ortega Whitehead he also passed on AJ Brown Terry McLaurin, tons of other elite wide receivers. And when I look at Carson Wentz, honestly, it's just frustrating the fact that his best wide receiver is a sixth-round pick from Detroit back in 2018, Travis Fulgham. And Travis Fulgham's playing good football right now, and honestly, I believe we might actually have something in him. I was hesitant to crown him at first, but he's, he's, shown, he's shown some pretty, pretty, a pretty big plays, rather. And when I look at this, the injuries for the Eagles overall, they lost Titan one, uh, Titan one in Zach Ertz, Titan two in Dallas Goddard, running back one in Miles Sanders, left tackle one, left tackle two, right tackle one, right tackle two, right guard one, right guard two, left guard one, and their wide receivers are Travis Fogum and Greg Ward. So overall, like they're injured, but they're still putting up a good fight. And honestly, it's impressive that they dropped so many points against two of the best like statistically not even like opinion based two of the best statistical defenses in football and they dropped 30 bomb and a 28 bomb on them like we can clearly tell Carson Wentz wants to win Doug Peterson wants to win the players on the team want to win and they're going out there and they're trying their best to win with limited resources limited talent limited young talent actually as well so really like honestly that's my biggest takeaway. And honestly, here's another thing. When I think about like, like when I think about a quarterback, the first thing that comes to mind for me is like a key weapon, right? So when I think of Aaron Rodgers, I think of back to the Jordy Nelson days. I think of Greg Jennings going back, you know, a long time. I think about right now Devontae Adams. When I think about Russell Wilson, I think of DK Metcalf. I think about Tyler Lockett. When I think about Tom Brady, I think of Randy Moss. I think of Julian Edelman. I think of Rob Gronkowski. So all these like star quarterbacks, the first thing that comes up to like comes to my mind when I think about them, I automatically pair them with a weapon. 
when I think of Carson Wentz, like I can't really think about anyone other than Zach Ertz, to be honest. And Zach Ertz is a tight end. He's not a real like threat when it comes to like outside. So again, just another failure by Howard. He did not, Howie Roseman, the GM, to not put like one of those guys with Carson Wentz. And he's been given multiple opportunities. Fire Howie Roseman. That's my final takeaway. Um, at least for the Eagles. We can talk about the Ravens as well later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think uh, you, you hit on a lot of points that I wanted to say with the Eagles. Miles Sanders looked really good with that. That breakout run he had was really nice. But uh, he, he, was runs. he was, he was uh, held up a lot uh, after those runs, obviously. He, he didn't look amazing after that. But that's regardless. He broke out and had those great runs. Travis Fulgham looked great. Carson Wentz looked great in the fourth quarter and third quarter. I, I mean, I can't say it enough. Uh, he's he's rallying his troops and played very well. Uh, Lamar Jackson, I think, was the key problem. I think for the Ravens' uh, problems in the in the second half altogether. He he wasn't doing enough, man. Uh, yeah, he had a hundred yards rushing and a touchdown. Uh, that thirty-seven that thirty-seven yard run was was crazy, um, but. I mean, after that, he's, he's, he completed 15, he completed 16 passes, uh, and uh, had 186 yards and a touchdown on the in the on the on in the air. So, I wasn't impressed necessarily on how he was as a quarterback. He he was mobile, so his mobility obviously carried Ravens to this one. But um, yeah, I think that's my only takeaways, really. The receivers didn't do anything, really, for the Ravens. It was just Lamar Jackson's running game. Uh, they had the, the Eagles definitely did a great job uh, limiting his passing game, though, for sure. And his fourth quarter action was uh, very like, limited. So, yeah, overall, uh, kudos to the Eagles' defense in the second half. They really put on put in the work on the Ravens. Only yeah. leaving, having the touchdown per quarter. That I mean, that's that's very impressive. Six points in the fourth, twenty-two to six in the fourth quarter. I think that's something. That's a moral victory. I would definitely say, if I was an Eagles fan, seeing your team scoring over three touchdowns in in a quarter, I think that's uh, that's something you should definitely be proud of. And uh, I would also be very content that that your team's losing to arguably a top five team in football by only a two point conversion. So. Uh, and you could obviously say, yeah, Jake Elliott missed a field goal or we went for two earlier and we missed it. Miles Sanders on, dropped a touchdown as Miles well. Miles Sanders dropped a touchdown. I mean, you could say all that. It doesn't matter. I mean, the Ravens still played better football, I should, I would say, in the first three quarters of the game. And uh, arguably that's what did it. And, uh, but like I said, great job by the, by the Eagles. Um, and yeah. they definitely mm-hmm. earned my respect for this game. Okay, so when I think talk about Lamar Jackson, right? So, and for this Ravens team as a whole, at least on the offensive side of the ball, I think they found out something that they're really good at. They're really good at running the ball. And you didn't see it from the running backs today, but usually you do see it from the running backs. You see Mark Ingram go off. You see Gus Edwards play well. You see uh, um, Dobbins go off from Ohio State. You see those guys go off, and you see Lamar Jackson go off as well. And that's how they win. But honestly, I'm worried about the long-term like prognosis of this team because Lamar Jackson just didn't impress me through the air. And if they ever get down big, like if you flip the script here, if the Eagles are up by 14 points in the first half, do the Ravens come back? I don't know because if it becomes like a passing, like sort of like, you know, they had to pass first, not run first. 
I'm so, I'm slightly worried about like how this Ravens team can fare. And you saw what happened against the Chiefs. I think it was week three. Lamar Jackson just couldn't do enough. Like he, he couldn't do enough through the air as a pocket passer. And they lost the game. And similarly, he almost lost the game this week too. He missed multiple wide open passes. Multiple. And I think if I, I remember reading some stat that like out of the like 32 starting quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson was like 28th in like accuracy, like, like catchable passes. Like that's kind of worrisome. And I know that they found like their niche. They found out that they're really good at running football like running the football and they're really good at doing it. As you can see, Lamar Jackson had 108 yards on a touchdown and they had another rushing touchdown on the ground. But I'm, I'm just worried about like the long term. like when it comes to playoff time, will Lamar Jackson be able to win in through the air against like a solid defense? I don't know. And I hope he will be able to, but that's honestly just a question I come from. I come out of this game with. Yeah, and uh, just the last thing, Eagles have a relatively – we're going to talk about our game predictions, obviously, later on. But the Eagles have a relatively difficult schedule. Um, they they started off easy, I mean, this week, this upcoming week on Thursday night, which is tomorrow, I should say, at the time of this recording, where they face the New York Giants. But uh, after that, their schedule is looking very difficult. And uh, then – they're trending upwards now, so uh, I think they'll be ready to face some of these very competitive teams, uh, especially when they're giving it a fight against a top-five team like the Baltimore Ravens. So, yeah, we can move on. Yeah, for um, sure. Um, I want to hit on the Titans-Texans game, and I'll, I'll let you start off because, you know, you're the AFC South expert. Okay, so for this game, Deshaun Watson came to play. Uh this new head coach must bring a great aura, I should say a great vibe, uh, to this Texans team. Bill O'Brien clearly wasn't it, and it showed. He, Deshaun Watson thrived, had 335 yards uh, for four touchdowns, and David Johnson played decent as well. Will Fuller, he played well, had 123 yards and a touchdown. We talked about it earlier in this podcast that he's in the trade talks. I don't know why Texans are doing that. Maybe because they're heavy in the cap because they are right now the team that has the highest payroll in football. So maybe that's why, but he played ex- ex- uh, spectacular. Uh, Brandon Cooks played well. And then their tight end, Darren Fells, he played well as well. Um, but I think even though the, t- the Texans offense still played well, it was the defense that I think really stood out to me how, how poor they played. Because the Titans had 600 yards of total offense, Reed. 600 yards total offense. 600 yards. That's insane. Ryan Tannehill had 364 yards and four touchdowns. I said Deshaun Watson played well. Ryan Tannehill played just as well. And uh, Derrick Henry, we said David Johnson had 57 yards and a touchdown. Derrick Henry had 212 yards and two touchdowns. And on top of that, he had he had uh, 52 yards receiving as well. So he had 274 total yards that game. I mean, you can't that that guy. He was a machine, and I thought entering into the season, I thought teams would have been, would have, would have had it easier to stop Derrick Henry. I thought I I thought it wouldn't I thought it wouldn't have been as easy for him to get uh, the rushing yards that he had last year. And clearly, he's on pace to do it again. He's leading the league in rushing. Uh, and 
this performance was just insane. The 94-yard touchdown was just insane. I, I, I don't know if you saw that play. It was, it was just it was remarkable. And this, this new, this new uh, tight end, Ferkser, I believe his name's Anthony Ferkser, he looked incredible as well. I watched this game quite closely. And uh, just Tannehill playing great, great, uh, great football. And uh, Derrick Henry and, the, and that entire offense just simply played very well. And it was not really necessarily a great defensive performance for either of these teams. But uh, I think overall, this is a great performance by the Titans offense. And the Titans offense just happened to have the better day. And uh, the Texans just got to regroup and move on. Now they're one and five in the Titans. I also like, though, I did want to mention the last play of the, of the regulation was, and the Titans were down by, I believe, a touchdown at this time. And uh, Ryan Tannehill threw a game-tying touchdown to A.J. Brown. And the, the catch was remarkable. Great catch by A.J. Brown. I think Tannehill's starting to prove that he can really be this real franchise quarterback for this team. And I know earlier in the season, before, I mean preseason, we, I was complaining a lot about whether he was worth the money that he was getting. And right now he's playing well beyond of what I was thinking of. And uh, he's right now definitely an MVP caliber player right now. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk about the Texans first before I moved on to the Titans. So you hit on it. Romeo Cornell, who is currently the interim head coach, you can clearly tell that the players are willing to play for him for the Texans side. And they weren't willing to play for Bill O'Brien because they came out last week. They got a dub, the first dub of the season. And this week they came out and they almost beat an undefeated team. So when I look at – I want to talk about Deshaun Watson, first of all. Deshaun Watson has played pretty good football this entire season. But I want to hit on something me and you talked about after week one. We talked about how Will Fuller seemed to be the only like wide receiver who had any sort of chemistry with Deshaun Watson. And at that time, we were right. Like Randall Cobb was not playing well. Brandon Cooks was not playing well. But I think we were sort of like too early to jump on that bandwagon because we were all like, you know, we want to see DeAndre Hopkins play with the Texans. Like we were all like that post trade, like still crapping on it. But honestly, I think we were too early to say that this is like a terrible move, at least like signing Randall Cobb and training for Brandon Cooks. Because I think six weeks in, we've seen the chemistry develop, especially between Brandon Cooks and Deshaun Watson. Brandon Cooks has been a menace the last two weeks, and he's repeatedly getting third down conversions, touchdown grabs, which. He's not a big guy. He's only like five foot ten, but he's getting these touchdown grabs in the red zone. He's getting multiple third down conversions. So just something I want to highlight. Deshaun Watson is building chemistry with these wide receivers, and I'm happy to see it happen after being pretty, you know, down on that wide receiving core as a whole. I want to talk about the defense. You hit on it. They're I think they're second worst defense when it comes to rushing yards allowed. And I think I remember um I was scrolling through Twitter after the Cowboys game and Brett Coleman, who is a, he's a well-known guy. He's a Texans fan. He said, I haven't seen a defense uh, get run over like the Dallas Cowboys did today since about 24 hours ago when I saw the Titans run all over the Houston Texans and the Houston Texans allowed 220 rushing yards. I believe that's like unremarkable. Like that's remarkably bad. So the defense as a whole. Really, the biggest thing is here, defensive players didn't want to come there. They didn't want to come and play with Bill O'Brien. And you saw players like DJ Reader, who's a really good run-stuffing def defensive tackle. They left in free agency. Jadavion Clowney, 
he left after getting traded. And you're seeing these defensive players, especially on the defensive line, get moved elsewhere. That's clearly stopping that this rushing defense from being anywhere near competent. And J.J. Watt, again, he played a phenomenal game. He, like multiple times, he's splitting for double teams. He's having like pass breakups. There's one play where he literally gets his hand up and he, he knocks the ball out before Tano can even get like a pass off, like pass the line of scrimmage. He has a strip sack, which helped lead that, spark that comeback in the third quarter against the Titans. Or the, yeah, against the Titans. So J.J. Watt played phenomenally. But on the defensive side of the ball, other than that, the only real like standout name for me is the safety Justin Reed. Other, like, other than that, everyone else is pretty like doo-doo in all honesty. And that's just something that the Texans are going to have to fix after Bill O'Brien essentially screwed their team over because they don't really have a lot of good young defensive talent. And they don't really have many def- like much defensive talent, period. So that's something they need to work on. Um. Overall, though, I'm liking what I'm seeing from the Texans, and they're clearly, like, Bill O'Brien was clearly the problem. They're rallying around Romeo, Romeo Cornell, their new head coach. And then on the Titans side, Ryan Tannehill, you hit on it. Like, you just talked about how you think he might not have been a franchise quarterback earlier, but now you're starting to think he can be. Really, for me, when it comes to Ryan Tannehill, the biggest thing is his attention in big moments. Like, I know some people are, like, having a clutch game, you know, like, if you look at a clutch game, like maybe week 17, you need to win the division or our clutch drive. But Ryan Clantano, when I think about clutch for him, I think about clutch moments, like on third down or late in the game when you need a first down, you need a touchdown. I can rely on Ryan Tannehill to not make mistakes. And he's been playing phenomenal football. You hit on it. The Texans actually scored later in that game. And they gave the, te- the Titans the ball back with, I believe, a minute 50 seconds to drive down the field and score a touchdown. And they did it. It was a, I think, I believe it was like a, a fake spike, and he threw it up to AJ Brown on the left side of the end zone. Great throw, great catch, and AJ Brown coming back from injury has obviously had a really big impact on this offensive side of the ball. And you can clearly see the chemistry with Ryan Tannehill and AJ Brown. And honestly, this Titans team is exciting to watch. They can run the football extremely well with Derrick Henry and the offensive line. And losing Taylor Lewan, the star left tackle, was going to hurt them. He tore his ACL that week uh, or that game rather, but it clearly didn't have much of an impact because Derrick Henry was still rumbling all over this, this Texans team. When I look at the like off offense, running the football, huge key, and they're doing it well, passing the football and being clutch. They're doing that really well. They're scoring points. And early in the season, I didn't think that the Titans could score 30 bombs, multiple games. And they're, they've done it. I think three or four times this season. It's extremely impressive. And on the defensive side of the ball, I'm looking at players like Harold Landry, Jeffrey Simmons. These guys are stepping up and they're playing good defensive football. Malcolm Butler, another player who's playing phenomenal defensive football. Uh, just overall, like, yeah, they didn't play great football in the fourth quarter. The defense was getting completely trampled on. But early in games, they're playing good football. And honestly, like, they have, they have a really good offense led by a really clutch quarterback. And they have a good defense. So this Titans team to me is a legitimate like Super Bowl contender. Yeah, I think uh, you've hit all my points as well. Uh, Titans are looking really good, playing really good football right now. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they play it next week as well. against when they've probably faced their toughest opponent. And uh, now I think uh, we're going to talk about America's game of the week uh, that we thought it would be the Packers put Buccaneers. Um, this game really shocked me by the way it went. 
great first quarter by Green Bay. I thought they had it in their hands. Uh, and then the rest was history, I'll be honest. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, I, I think this is probably a once-in-a-blue-moon type of performance from Aaron Rodgers. I think this is the first and last time you're going to see him perform like this. Uh, you never, ever see Aaron Rodgers throw for 160 yards, zero touchdowns. You, you won't see it again. And uh, maybe it's because Devontae Adams newly finally came back into the offense. I, that's obviously not a reason. I just said that. I, I doubt it. But um, just very poor football. You'll never see Aaron Rodgers throw two picks again like that. I mean, you, you, Aaron Rodgers not almost in a, in a game. I'm saying you're never going to see him throw two picks again. It was. Just, I think instead of talking about the Packers losing this game, I'm probably going to say the Buccaneers just simply won. I think Tom Brady played quite well, but I think the main thing I'm happy about is the Brady Gronk connection coming back. I like seeing uh, Rob Gronkowski getting 78 yards and a touchdown. The touchdown catch was really nice as well. Um, and great throw by Brady. But I think Ronald Jones Jr. I think he's pro- I think he's starting to move away from Fournette. I think I think he's the sole running back one. I think there should be no other no other running back that's really taking his carries. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn also looked nice, but I mean, Ronald Jones clearly looks like the man. He had 113 yards and two touchdowns uh, that game. Uh, he looked really good. And the receiving core for the Buccaneers didn't even show their full potential because Godwin and Evans both combined only at 58 yards. So despite all that, I think this was just goes to show how, how great the Bucks' defense played. Um, picking off Aaron Rodgers twice, uh, forcing a fumble by Jason Pierre-Paul, uh, and then a pick from James Dean and then uh, uh, Edwards as well. But I think I think this was just, this is just a once in a blue moon game from Aaron Rodgers. I don't think this will ever happen again. I I can't stress that enough. I I just can't see that happening again. Uh, and yeah, bad game also from Aaron Jones. Ten carries for 15 yards. I think he'll normally get more carries than that. And uh, yeah, I think I'm just gonna leave it at that. Just very abnormally poor offense from uh, Green Bay, and I expect them to bounce back from it. Yeah, um, you hit on a lot of it. They came off a bye week, and if I remember back to last year, they also came off a bye week, I believe, and they lost to, like, the Chargers, I want to say, big, or it was something like that. And this is a true, like, phenomenon. People, like, teams come off a bye week, and then they end up playing pretty poorly. And I think that's what you saw. You hit on it. It's a blue blooming. I cannot speak. Blue moon performance. Aaron Rodgers, you're never going to see him throw under 50% completion rate again. You're not going to see him throw a pick six. That was only his third pick six of his career. And when I look at the Packers, honestly, I just see sort of – it was just like everything went wrong for them. Like there's multiple times Devontae Adams, I think you hit on how he came back and you think it wasn't a big deal. I think it was. Like Aaron Rodgers, both those picks he was throwing do, he was throwing to Devontae Adams. And they were just slightly off. And I think that was just like the whole like the whole idea of their offense. They were just slightly off. Multiple third downs. I believe they had I remember I think they had like 15, 16, 17 third downs, something like that. And that's not like winning football. Like you're not gonna get into like multiple third downs and you're not you're not gonna keep converting. Like it's just very unlikely that's gonna happen. Just really sloppy football overall. 
And when I look at the Bucks, you hit on it. You hit on it. The defense, dude. I've been thinking, like I've been hearing that this pack, this Buccaneers defense is top ten. They've got lots of good playmakers, and they finally really put it together, in my opinion. Devin White, a second-year linebacker, played extremely good. Levante David, who's honestly probably a top three, top five linebacker, easily playing well. Antoine Winfield, the safety, playing extremely well. They had two picks. They had one pick six. Jason Pierre-Paul and Dominican Sue, who people I think are forgetting about. He, I think he had a sack in this game as well. Just lots of good defensive football. And I believe they sacked Aaron Rodgers like five times. So, like, they got him on the ground. They obviously, like, like just putting it flat out. Aaron Rodgers was slightly off the entire game. I believe he missed – I think he missed a, a pass to um, their tight end. I'm forgetting his name. But then he missed a tight end, a pass to him, and you don't really see him miss those type of passes often. So he was just clearly off. And when I look at this, this is the Bucks playing their best ever, like their best game that they could possibly play, and the Packers playing the worst game they can possibly play. And honestly, I want to see a playoff rematch because I think things could probably end up pretty different um, if this game happened in the playoffs. Agreed. I, I I definitely actually see it different differently played out if uh, this is in the playoffs. Uh, like we both said, this is not happening again. It, it, just everything went wrong for Green Bay. Yeah. yeah I, I, if it happens again, I then I'll be saying then I will be shocked. All right. Then I probably look at the Packers twice and be like, okay, what's going on? But yeah, yeah. I don't care. All right. Credit and we'll to Todd Bowles' defense yeah. as well. Todd Bowles' defense shut him down. Um, the defensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Also, quick thing. So for the Bears game last week, Thursday Night Football, the Bucs had a ton of penalties. And right now, they're still the 29th most penalized team in the league at seven. Um, I think you can guess who's first, like the least penalized team, right, Amal? Uh, I actually don't know. Would it be uh, – I actually don't know. Who would it be? Um. I'll give I you a hint. It's it's it starts with an, a a new. Really, New England, oh, bro. Ah, oh, I didn't know that. New England, New England. Uh, yeah, because of think, Belichick, man. Because Belichick. Yeah, Belichick. But the Bucks actually had zero penalties against the Packers, and that's extremely impressive to me because I think you need to not hurt yourself to have good games, and you saw them like consistently stabbing themselves in the like the foot over and over again in that Bears game on Thursday Night Football last week. But this week, they came out and they weren't hurting themselves. And you can clearly see that that had a pretty big impact on the final score of this game. Yeah, I think for that Bears game, I think the main reason, I don't think weapons was the reason because clearly the weapons here didn't mean anything because Brady didn't really throw that much to those weapons. I think it was the main reason was that Bears D-line. Simple as that, I think. and the. Tampa O-line just getting caught up in the pressure. And I think that's clearly why they lost because they, they ran through this package team. But like I said, I don't think it's going to happen again. All right, so now we'll just go through, like, quickly recap these games. Uh, Chiefs-Bills, this this game went by pretty I, – I, I, we both expected it. I did not expect Clyde edwards Elair to run for 161 yards. That's the last thing I expected. Uh, I think he really wants to keep at our one running back job. But I think he's going to be happy having this two running back tandem because I think he's going to grow from it, and I think he's going to become a better running back from it because he's arguably he's going to be with arguably at a time the best running back in football. And honestly, if Le'Veon Bell 
with that right O line, and I think he has that right O line. He can easily, easily be the back in that conversation for being the best running back in football. He's mm-hmm. very special talent. I was very high on him entering into last season, I should say, um, when he started his first year with the Jets, because he was he was he was killing it in Pittsburgh, and he, in the Pittsburgh O line, we all know how great Pittsburgh's O line is, uh, and now the Chiefs O line. Come on, man. Chiefs O-line is crazy, too. And the weapons that's there, too. Uh, I think Edwards Eler should is going to grow from this. I think Le'Veon Bell is going to reach success uh, that he's not, he's probably never even dreamed of. Uh, I think uh, overall, though, for this game, I'm probably – I need to see more from Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. If they, if they were both activated, I need to see more from them. But uh, – I think this is another game where the Bills defense, I think, still managed to keep Mahomes under 200 yards. I mean, under, under, I should say, only at two touchdowns because he normally throws for more. And they locked up, Tredavious White locked up Tyreek Hill. Um, unfortunately, no one can guard Travis Kelsey, but I think every team faces that problem, so that's fine. But overall, yeah, uh, solid win for the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. I'm extremely worried about this Bills defense, actually. Like, they haven't really had many good games. Like, they've let up 30 points multiple times, I believe. They yeah. let up 42 last week to the Titans. And now they're allowing 160 yards on the ground. Like, that's just not sort of, like, cliche Normal. Bills football, like, over the last couple of seasons. Like, their defense has been really good. And that, to me, is extremely worrisome. And also, Stephon Diggs. I feel like... Stephon Diggs to me, like there was a play later in that game. I think it was like one of the last few drives where he was like the, the offense was in no huddle and Stephon Diggs was sort of just walking back to the line of scrimmage, like slowly taking his time, showing no effort. And then he got flagged for not being lined up on time. And like Stephon Diggs to me, I feel like he's sort of just an annoying player, to be honest. I feel like he he like when things are going well, he's all upbeat. But when anything goes wrong, he's just sort of doing his own thing. And really, that's just I saw, I saw those penalties. I saw that man. I was watching the game, and he was when he was running a deep route. He'd walk back on the field because they the Bills were down, right? He'd walk back to the line of scrimmage, and then right as uh right as Allen snapped the ball, he already got a penalty for illegal shift. Like I think Stephon Diggs was just wasn't really into it that game. I don't know why. Um, you normally don't see that from Stefan Diggs, but yeah, I think the way you described it was accurate. Um, yeah, let's move on. Uh, move Bears, on Bears Panthers. Panthers. I think this game, we weren't surprised by the result. Uh, Bears defense, dude, it's legit. Unlike the Bills, the Bears defense. I'm surprised Allen Robinson was only held to 53 yards, and I should say five receptions because that guy gets. That guy gets targets like anything, and he catches the ball like anything. So, um, but yeah. Anyways, great game. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I I'm not surprised by the Bears. Uh, next game, Falcons Vikings. I'm not surprised here. You picked the Vikings this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I am I surprised picked, actually. I'm I'm not surprised because Julio Jones came back, and this team is a completely different team with Julio Jones. Uh, we saw that, dude. Clearly, clearly, we saw that, and Julio Jones looked like the best receiver in football today. I mean, on Sunday. And uh, I think he's going to keep it that way. Eight receptions, 137 yards, two touchdowns. But although I say that. Justin Jefferson, dude. He's seeing the future right in front of him. Justin Jefferson, nine receptions, 166 yards, two touchdowns. 
I think he's the future, if not maybe even already, the wide receiver one for that team. Uh, he's he's looking really good. Madison, I thought, would carry the Dalvin Cook load. Clearly he didn't. Uh, maybe that was a one-time thing, but uh, he had last week, the week before. But, yeah, I think the Vikings are definitely missing on Dalvin Cook right now. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. Matty Ice came to play. Great game from him. And, yeah, we can move on. My biggest thing for the Vikings, actually, before we move on, I think uh, we we can definitely have a conversation about this in a future episode, but Kirk Cousins, dude, I believe he's 11 touchdowns. I think he has 11, uh, 10 picks, one fumble lost. Just the whole Kirk Cousins thing. He's not playing good football whatsoever. I know he threw three touchdowns, but he threw three picks that game as well. And you can't win when you're throwing three picks, just flat out. So I think we should definitely talk about Kirk Cousins and the future of this Vikings team because honestly, it's an interesting one. Anyway, we can move on. Um, we talked about Brown Steelers. We talked about Texas Titans. Washington football team versus the Giants. Honestly, not even a game worth mentioning, in my opinion. Like, you had a few good moments from Danny Dimes, but honestly, like, it was just sort of a boring game. Like, nothing, like, nothing really to, like, write home about. Yeah, agreed. Uh, we can move on. Uh, also, wait, wait, one last thing. I do appreciate Ron Rivera going for it on fourth down. So they could have won the game. Oh yeah, team. I saw that as well. But I think I think I think the high Q wanted for them to lose it because I think it's a tank fest. So <laughs> I think I think he definitely Fair enough. Um, let's move on. Broncos Pats. Uh, I this actually was probably this was second most surprising result of the week. Um, we both picked the Pats to win for obvious reason, but we did mention to look out for Drew Locke, and I, I, he may not put the numbers that we expected him to because. Both Cam Newton and uh, pass and Drew Locke passing wise were only they didn't the Broncos didn't even score a touchdown in that game and they won the game. So six uh, field goals, yep. They had six field goals, um, zero points in the fourth quarter and they still won the game. Uh, this game was just a defense fest. I think that's the only thing I can say. And uh, yeah, the, the, the Panthers, the Patriots offense just didn't look right. Yeah, uh, they clicked. Cam Newton was coming. Cam Newton was coming off COVID as well. That was his first game back. I'm willing to give them a slight benefit of the doubt. And I don't think they're going to play this mediocre or this poorly again. And at least next week, I think they're, they're going to have a rebound game. Yeah. We can move on to your Bengals Colts game. You can take the floor. Yeah. Um, I was pissed off uh, with the way the team performed in the first half. Uh, In the first quarter, I should say Um, we, we, got three and outs basically every possession and it, it was just annoying. Uh, but then Phillip Rivers remembered how to throw football and uh, throw it well, I should say. And he had himself probably the best game of the season. 371 yards, three touchdowns, zero picks. Uh, actually, no, he may have had a pick actually, but let me check. Uh, he did have a pick and it was too good to be true. That's fine though. Uh, 371 yards, three picks. 30 29 for 44 I I like it um great game out of him but I think what I like the most about this Colts team is they came back they were down 21-0 I was embarrassed to watch this team play then they came back and uh they brought it all the way down to 21 to they brought it back in the end of the first half so I believe 21 to 10 and then uh and then after that the rest was history I think uh this was a great game from from Indy, I, I like the. I don't. 
Jonathan Taylor uh, did not play as well as – but they need to give him more carries, man. That, that's just my thing. They just got to feed Taylor more. 12 carries is not enough. I remember last year we were feeding Marlon Mack like crazy. He'd get like 25 carries. And I think that's kind of – that's why he, he had a 1,000-yard rushing season because uh, this Colts O-line is still really good, man. Uh, and that's why you should just feed – run the ball, run the damn ball. You have Quentin Nelson there. You have Ryan Kelly there. You, you got it, man. I think they just got to run it. And I think here we talked about for you, Travis Fulgham for the Eagles. What about Marcus Johnson? Former Eagles wide receiver too. Former Eagles wide receiver, yeah. Uh, he's been in the league for four years. Uh, amazing game, five receptions, 108 yards. I was watching him play the entire time. And, uh, yeah, great great performance out of him. And you're another former former Eagles. I don't know if you remember him, Marie, but his name's Trey Burton. I think he had a touchdown pass <laughs> Super Bowl. I think it's called the Philly yeah. Special. Yeah. Four I don't really remember that play, dude. It's, it's his first game of the season, uh, coming back off of IR. Great game out of him. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm very impressed uh, by the Colts' resiliency here. And uh, – on the Bengals' side, I there's nothing to be discouraged of. Shout out to T. Higgins, dude. Yeah, T. Higgins looking really good. Um, we couldn't guard T. Higgins because of the matchup. But I think A.J. Green, I'm happy to see they got him more involved in the offense, finally getting over 10 yards in a game. I, I like to see that out of A.J. Green. Uh, but, yeah, um, I, I just wish uh, Joe Mixon probably got more uh, – he, he got targeted more. But uh, Joe Burrow had it still himself a good game. I'm surprised he didn't have a touchdown in the game. But uh, overall, yeah. yeah. Colts shouldn't have been t- down 21-0. But, hey, man, at least uh, we didn't uh, sink and uh, crash. So I- I'm-, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with winning this game. I- although we should have won this game regardless. Fair enough, dude. We can move on to the Lions-Jags. Not much to talk about here. DeAndre Swift had a pretty big run, I believe like an 80-yard touchdown run. And Kenny Galladay had a pretty, a couple pretty big plays. But other than that, nothing much to really to talk about, in my opinion. Yeah, we can move on. Uh, Jets-Dolphins, same thing here. Yeah, yeah there's nothing to really talk we about We talked here. about the Packers-Bucks. Rams-Niners. So this for me, the, yeah, yeah for, for me, I know the score is kind of like low scoring, but it was just fun to see Jimmy Garoppolo play good football and bounce back after getting benched due to an injury last week. And when I look on the defense, like first of all, the offense side of the ball, the Niners, the way they use their like wide receivers in the running game, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, they use these guys so like well, and they use George Kittle in the running game as well. And it's honestly like really fun to watch. And if you look at, like, the Rams running game, similarly, like, they rely on, like, Robert Woods to run these sort of screens and Tyler Higby to have, like, these sort of runs. And Daryl Henderson, who really looked like Todd Gurley to me. Like, he didn't have that same speed, but he was running, like, a physical style of play. And that was fun to watch. But really the biggest difference for me on this game was that the, like, the, the Niners defense was just better, dude. Jason Verrett, the cornerback. I have a crazy stat for you. Give me like two seconds to pull it up. But it, it's literally like bonkers. So the stat is the 49ers cornerbacks this season have allowed 640 passing yards between all of them, which isn't that bad apparently. The crazy part is that Jason Verrett has been responsible for 24 of those 648 yards. 
24. Like wow. that to me is just bonkers. And this is a guy who he was a former first round pick for the Chargers. He got hurt. And honestly, like I didn't forget about him. Like I knew he was talented, but I thought, oh, this guy is he's like torn his Achilles or torn his ACL multiple times in a row. His career is over. But I'm I'm happy to see him come back and bounce back. And that's just a fun story to watch. Also for the the Niners defense, Fred Warner, dude. Fred Warner is just a beast. He was all over that field. And I know they don't have that same defensive line after losing Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas to IR after ACL injuries, but their defense is still kind of fun to watch. And it's just interesting storylines. And that's why like this Niners team, if they play good football, which they did play this game, and I think they're going to keep playing it. I don't see a reason why they could potentially not make a playoff push in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, we they, they were pissed off last week when they said that the, we were talking about the uh, Super Bowl curse. I mean, Jimmy G is not. I mean, I don't know if I, I saw this. I saw the stat. Jimmy G joins only like three other QBs to not lose consecutive games. They don't. They don't lose back to back games because Jimmy G is a QB that doesn't lose. He he, he he's a QB that uh, he rarely loses altogether. Um. This was a, a great performance by the Niners. Good bounce back win, considering they just got blown out by the Miami Dolphins. Um, that's all I got to really say there. Let's yeah. move on and move to our top, top 10, ten teams. teams. Top, top, top 10 teams in the NFL, yeah. Um, this is going to be a really interesting to hear out your top, top 10. We talked about it earlier, right before that we started recording, but I, I want to see the, I want to hear you out your full top 10. Uh, I'll, you can go first for your listening to number one team. Yeah, I had the Chiefs at number one after – I think I had the Seahawks last week. I switched them around this week. And honestly, because I think the Bills are a good football team, and they beat them, and they play good defense to me, which is key. Because I know that like the, the Titans sort of stalled that Bills offense uh, the previous week, but they the Chiefs kept that trend going. And to me, that's impressive that the defense is – doing what they're supposed to do. And honestly, I think the Seahawks offense to me, like I'm more afraid of the Seahawks offense than I am the Chiefs offense because I think Russell Wilson is on a complete tear. But the biggest difference between those two teams, the Chiefs and the Seahawks for me, and I have the Seahawks at two, but the biggest difference is that the Chiefs defense actually can get the job done when they have to. And I don't think the Seahawks defense can like particularly do that. Like I think Russell Wilson is always going to have to play well. Versus I think Patrick Mahomes can have a bad game, and I think this Chiefs defense can essentially bail him out. And I don't think the Seahawks defense can do that. Fair enough. Uh, that thing, that, that's, that's very valid, I think. Uh, I have the Seahawks at one. Uh, they were one for me last week, and they came off the bye week. So as a top team, I should say, you shouldn't move, from, move off your number top team. Uh, Unless something extraordinary happened, we expected the Chiefs to win, and they did win. Uh, so uh, nothing really expect, uh, spectacular there. So my one team was uh, Seattle, last and, and as they were last week. My last week number two was Green Bay. This week my number two will be Kansas City. Uh, you have I have them flipped because I expected them to be uh, Buffalo. I I have them. I have them lower because I I it's still worrisome. Mahomes didn't play amazing, uh, and yeah, that I think that's that's my main thing. Mahomes did not play amazing for two straight weeks. I should say now, uh, he they ha- he hasn't really shown up uh, performed that well. 
So that that's my number one and number two teams of the week. And I'll go to my number three. If go for it. Yeah, so uh, my number three team here will be um, – I have the Pittsburgh Steelers at number three. And they were at four for me last week, and I, mo- I moved them up one. And it's because I'm still really high on what the Steelers have done. They beat a top ten team that I had last week in the Cleveland Browns, and they, they blew them out clean. Uh, yeah, Baker Mayfield may have been a problem, but it doesn't matter, man. That Big Ben didn't even need to play well. Juju Smith-Schuster didn't need to play well. That defense just carried that team um, to the victory, and that's why I have the Steelers at my number three uh, position in my power rankings. Yeah, I also had the Steelers at three, and you, you pretty much hit on everything I wanted to say as well. Like, they're just – playing good football. And I know they like they haven't really faced anyone other than Cleveland. And I'm really looking forward to the Baltimore-Pittsburgh matchup because those matchups are usually really good. And I think this year it's really just a – it really is a battle for the division. Like it could come down to both those matchups for whoever wins the AFC North. But right now I think the Steelers are playing better football. And I hit on it when I talked about the Ravens-Eagles game. But I think the Ravens might have a fatal flaw. And I don't really see the Steelers having – any sort of fatal flaw, honestly. Like they're a really well-rounded football team. Yeah. Uh, you can hit your number four. Yeah, yeah. I had the Packers at four, and they dropped, I think, one stop, a spot. I had them at three. And I, I still have them as a top-five team because I honestly don't believe they're going to replicate this performance again this entire year. Like, I know David Bakhtiari, their left tackle, got hurt, and he's like projected to miss some time. But just the Packers – I just think it was sort of like a off week. Like the bye week sort of probably messed with them. Aaron Rodgers was off the entire game. And I don't expect him to be off like to that caliber ever again. And if he isn't off that way, then the Packers are definitely like a top five team and a top five offense easily. Yeah. Uh, my number four is also Green Bay. For all the reasons that you just listed, I think it was just a blue moon game. And if they won last week, they would have – honestly – they probably would have been number one if they won last week. Uh, but um, things just didn't go their way. Uh, and it was a devastating loss, I'll put it that way. But I don't think it'll happen again. So I, I, that's why I had the Packers at four. And uh, my number five team, so um, I had the Ravens last week. And I'm going to still stick with the Ravens here as my number five team. Uh, and six, obviously, you can assume then will be the Tennessee Titans. And the reason I'm going to still put the Ravens over the Titans is because even though, even though the Ravens, uh, even though the Ravens did cut it way too close against the Eagles, I, I still see this team still overall having the best team in football. The overall having one of the best teams in football, and they're and they're still playing pretty well. They're, they're, they shouldn't make games, like I said, that close. But, I mean, they are 5-1. and one. They've played good teams all, the, all, all across the board. Um, so I'm, I'm going to put the, Titan, the Ravens at 5, and then my 6 will be the Titans because they were expected to beat Houston. I picked Houston as an upset, but the, this game went to overtime. It was that close. And on top of that, Taylor Lewan just tore his ACL, and that's a big blow because uh, – that's their best offensive lineman. So that's going to definitely hurt uh, that, that offense a bit. So, um, but Titans are still definitely, I think 
we had talked about this even before. These top six teams here, you can make an argument for six, the, the Titans to even be one, because uh, they're all very close, I think, um, between uh, one, all one to six. I think it's very close. Yeah, so I actually have it flipped. I had the Titans entering my top five, and I have the Ravens at six uh, after they dropped from number four the previous week. The Titans moved up from six for me. The Titans, I've seen them blown out, blow out good teams. Like I think the Bills are a good team. They blew them out. I've seen them win close games when they had to, and they did that against a good divisional opponent, apparently, in the Texans, who found out how to play football after Bill O'Brien got fired. And that, that to me, is impressive. Like The Ravens, have, to me, haven't faced anybody good. And, yeah, I'm an Eagles fan. The Eagles are not a good football team this year. The Ravens haven't faced anyone good, and I know you can't fault them, but the fact is they almost lost to the Eagles, and they got handed to the only good team they did play in the Chiefs. And the Titans, to me, they played good teams, and they played well, and they blew them out. Or they came back when they had to in crunch time after, you know, like, if you look at the Titans-Texans game, it was really like a heavyweight match, bro, like a heavyweight fight. They kept swinging. The Texans kept swinging and swinging, swinging, coming back. But then the, the Titans had the final blow, and boom, they knocked him out. And to me, that is extremely impressive. My number seven team, I had the Bucks at number seven. And they were right outside my top ten last week. I believe I had them at 12. And this week, the Bucks to me, it was just a really impressive win. And we saw their defense come back. We saw them not have penalties. We saw them play disciplined football. We saw Brady playing good football. And he wasn't even incorporating all his weapons. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, those guys weren't playing like the best they could have played. Or at least they could have been utilized better. And they still won by 28 points. That to me is extremely impressive. Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. I also have the Bucks at seven. And it's because of all the reasons you just mentioned. Uh the Bucks played very well. I mean, their two losses were against the Bears. I think the Bears lost still definitely. Uh, I don't like the way that looks, but this was definitely a very dominant game. And this is definitely a Tampa team from this game, you could say, is a team to be uh, scared for, scared on. And they right now are leading the NFC South. So, um, yeah, I'm going to keep the Bucks at seven as well. My eight team. So, um, my eight so I had Buffalo last week at nine and it's interesting because I am going to move them up to eight and they did lose, but it's because I, I was, I'm high on the way uh, I still am high on Josh Allen. Uh, it's just too, I feel bad because it's two straight games against two great teams and uh, two times you can uh I'm still high on on the Bills. Uh, I had, I mean, I, it's I'm high on Josh Allen still. Josh Allen hasn't looked the best in the past two games, but um, yeah, I, I, I like uh, I like the Bills anyways at number eight. Yeah, so I have the Bills dropping one spot from seven to eight, and same as you, I have them both. I have them at eight, at eight as well. But to me, really, it's. I'm not really impressed by how they're playing, but it's more like I think they're a better team than all the other teams below them. So it's more like I'm higher on them than all the other teams below them than like I think they're they're playing like great football right now because back-to-back losses against good teams, that's worrisome, man. Like like if you want to be a legitimate Super Bowl contender, like a playoff, like a true playoff like team, like their playoff teams are bad like the Eagles will be or the, the Cowboys will be this year. And then the playoff teams are good. And – I want the Bills to be a good playoff team, and they're not 
playing good against good opponents. But I, I'm still higher on them than the rest of like the rest of the teams below them, if that makes sense. At number nine, I have the Rams, and I know they lost a close one, but I'm still really impressed by what they did. And it was just a divisional loss. Like those games sort of just happened. Like for a long time, we had the Seattle Seahawks losing to the 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 St. Louis Rams actually when the Rams were bad. And it's just a divisional matchup. Like that, those sort of games just happen. And I know they didn't play great football, but Cooper Cup was non-existent, and I don't think he's going to be non-existent again. And their defense played pretty well, to be honest, all things considered. So I think they're still a really good team. They're just they just had an off game. See, you looked at it that way. I still, I thought it. I, I thought. Uh, I mean, it, something just didn't click. Um, I, I don't have them in my top ten right now, um, and it's because I'm not impressed by the. It, the the score, even though it was a one possession game, the the game definitely did not look like it was a one possession game. The Niners, oh, yeah, it wasn't close at all. All, all, all across the board, uh, missed opportunities. Even on both sides, there were missed opportunities. But it, it was just. I, I did not like the way um, Sean McVay positioned this offense uh, this week. And also, I don't know if you saw, Aaron Donald was a no-show, bro. He got, he got shut down completely. He gets he, phased Brad, out, dude, against a good old Brad lineman. Williams was there. Matt McGlinchey was there. Those guys were – those boys were just, like they, – they were killing it. And uh, the double team clearly worked. So, um, if teams can work on double-teaming Aaron Donald better, yeah, I don't think uh, – they'll have a problem stopping that, uh, that Rams D line. So um, my number nine team, I had them at number 10 last week. So I'm going to have them bump up a spot and that's going to be the New Orleans saints and uh, the New Orleans saints. They, they didn't have, they didn't have a bye week. Uh, they had a bye week this past week, but um, I had them up a spot because I, I just couldn't. Um, I think they're better than the teams that are below them. So. That's, that's Fair enough. Fun. And my last team in my top 10, they weren't in my top 10 at all so far, and they've finally just made it into my top 10, and that is the Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears has made the top 10 because this is the, the past two wins were quite impressive. The Panthers were, the lead, were, lead, were leading the division entering into week, week six, and uh, they beat them pretty easily. Then – the previous week, they beat the Bucks pretty easily. They beat the Falcons. Uh, yeah, I mean, this Bears defense just, quite frankly, just looks scary. And they're definitely – there's a very good shot that the Bears can take this division uh, from Green Bay. And uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised right now because they're 5-1. and one. I, I expected them to be, what, like 4-2, and two, maybe 3-3 three and three in the first six games. But right now – and if the, the their schedule's looking real nice and uh I, I'm confident that this team will be a playoff team and on top of that I think they're gonna be a team that's gonna be definitely to be uh scary to look out for. So I'm gonna have the Bears cracking my top ten. Okay. So I have the Saints at ten and really same reason as you. Like I think they're better than all the teams below them. But for the Bears, I actually had the Bears at number 15. So I did a top 15. We don't have to run through all our teams. But for me, the Bears, the biggest problem is that their offense just seemed really anemic. And until they fix that to me, like, I don't think they can outscore teams like the Colts or the Cardinals or the Niners for that matter. I know they have a great defense, but Nick Foles and Nick Foles hasn't really put it together in all honesty. Like that, that run game with David Montgomery isn't good. 
They don't really do anything good on offense. And I think in an offensive league, that to me, that's worrisome. And I think when it comes playoff time, and I think they will make the playoffs, but when it comes playoff time, I don't know if this Bears team can – I don't know if they're a big boy team. I'll put it that way. I don't know if they can stick with those big boys. And if there is a blowout which or there is a shootout, which could happen, like defenses – I'd rather rely on a good offense than a good defense. I'll put it that way. As long as you have an average defense and a good offense, I'm higher on you than if you had a bad offense and a good defense. That That's just my thoughts on it. And the offense to me is a big worry, and that's why I don't have them in my top ten. Yeah, I mean, but the thing is you have Nick Foles, though, in their offense, though. And Nick Foles, he's still carrying that load. Um, he's playing quite well. Um, so three teams though that just that are like right there, um, teams to look out for. So my eleven is the Indianapolis Colts. They were eleven for me last week, so uh, nothing's changed there. Twelve, I have the Arizona Cardinals, um, and then my thirteenth team will be uh, the Rams. They fell off quite a bit for me, and I think the teams that completely fell off for me were the Cleveland Browns. I think that that loss was just horrific. Um, we both had them in our top ten before, but. Yeah, that 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 Cleveland Browns loss was just awful. So um, yeah, they don't make it to the three teams outside. So yeah, Rams at thirteen, uh, Cardinals at twelve, and Colts at eleven. So I also have the Colts at eleven. I have the Cards at twelve, and then I had the Browns at thirteen. And honestly, I can't give up on the Browns. Yeah, I have. I I just gotta have some hope for them, and that's why I have them at thirteen. Anyway, thanks for listening, everyone. Give the Instagram, the Flea Flicker Podcast, a follow, and have a good day. Peace out and bye.